Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit RedeemerCentral.com. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, A very warm welcome if this is your first time and you're here to join us for our carol service. Um, I want to say very quickly just a very big thank you to to everybody, the band, and everybody who's worked so hard to make this place look and feel so Christmassy this evening. This is our our last meeting before Christmas, so it's kind of right that we're kind of getting in that Christmas mood. Um, Now, I'll be honest, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the food, I love the decorations, I love the presents, the many, many great feel-good Christmas films, Love Actually and the rest, even the cheesy, horrible ones, apart from the Lindsay Lohan one, don't, I wouldn't recommend that this year. Um, but I love kind of the joy that takes over a town or a city. I love the reindeers, the visits to Santa. I love all these traditions that many families have in hearing about them. But I think another reason I love Christmas is because I think as a culture, we all, for this short period of time, we buy into this feeling of joy, of of merriment, and more importantly, we gain a certain amount of hope for this this festive period. Children hope they've made the nice list. Parents hope their children don't ask for expensive iPhones. Others hope for a Christmas day without any family drama. Some people hope that their in-laws decide to maybe visit another daughter. (laughs) Mine aren't here, I can say that. (laughs) But with all these hopes, some of us, if not the majority, these hopes, they don't really last. But at this time of year, at Advent, we can learn something. We can learn how to hope and how to wait. We all this month have been opening our Advent calendars every day for the last three weeks each day getting closer and closer to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And what I love about Advent is that whereas in life we wait, we often, life is often referred to as kind of one big waiting room. We wait to grow up, we wait to get our driving license, we wait to have children, to have grandchildren, to become whatever, jobs, promotions. We wait and we don't know, we wait and it can be hard, it can be difficulty, but when it comes to Advent, We have this end date in sight. We count down the days. We have a guarantee to the end of our waiting. I remember as a kid waiting and hoping so much for a certain toy. I was nine years old. Um, I have a twin brother, and we both wanted Disney roller boots. He wanted Jungle Book, and I wanted Aladdin. Um, This is the 90s, so it was before roller blades, kind of, I don't know. Um, So we both circled the things we wanted in our Argos catalog, put the order in. And then we waited and we hoped. And Christmas morning, I remember looking over and seeing my brother who was buzzing as he opened up and revealed these Jungle Book bright green roller boots with Mowgli and Shere Khan and the other ones all along the side. And then I was like, oh, that's brilliant. That means I'm going to get the Aladdin ones. All this waiting, all this hoping. And I looked down and I started to open my present. And all that hope I had was lost as I unwrapped my gift. And sure enough, it was Aladdin but it was bright purple and quite clearly Princess Jasmine roller boots. (laughs) And I instantly was 
distraught. And I looked at my dad, and he quickly, he knew this was coming. So he jumped in and said, they're not for girls. There's a little picture of Aladdin in the corner of the boots, so they're for boys and girls, and we're not taking them back. So that was it. So I then, my brother had the Jungle Book ones, no questions asked. I went out on my Princess Jasmine roller boots the next day, and I had to defend them all year. And they're not for girls, they're for boys as well. There's a picture of Aladdin in the corner. But I'm sure we all have those stories where we hope for something. We hope for something at Christmas and it kind of doesn't work out well. And Christmas kind of turns out badly in a way. But this evening, I want us to look at what real hope, real hope looks like and how it comes to us in moments of waiting. Now, when we think of the term hope, we often associate it with the future, the hope for tomorrow, a hope for our children a hope for a safe journey and a good Christmas. But the hope I want to share with you this evening is a different kind of hope, often referred to as a biblical or a spiritual hope. Now, the word itself, hope, in Scripture is seen about 130 times from beginning to end. But the distinctive meaning of hope in Scripture is almost the opposite of our ordinary usage. While our regular use of the word comes with a high amount of uncertainty, I hope it doesn't snow. I hope you get there safely. Biblical hope is the opposite. Biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future, but rather biblical hope, spiritual hope, is a confident expectation of what is to come. I'll say that again. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of what is to come. Spiritual hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. And it not only expects it to happen, it is confident that it will happen. Is everyone following? Does that make sense? Good. So we're going to look. The verses are going to come up on the screen. And we're going to put that into practice. We're going to see some biblical hope. We're going to read from Luke 1, verses 34 to 45, where we'll see biblical hope put into practice. Um, So we're jumping in mid-story. The angel Gabriel has just been and visited Mary And it's essentially dropped the biggest bombshell that's ever been dropped on anybody ever, that they're going to be a miraculous pregnancy. And that that son is going to be the son of Most High, whose kingdom will never end. So we're going to pick up in verse 34. And it reads, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. So this evening, I've already mentioned, I want to share a little bit about hope in waiting. And as we've just read, Mary has just heard the most mind-blowing news, a young, soon-to-be-married 
woman could ever hear, not only a miraculous pregnancy, but also a child that will change mankind forever. Now, while traditionally we think of Mary and baby Jesus, the wise men and the shepherds at Christmas time, I think quite often, maybe with fairy tale type lenses on, we can kind of skip at times the brutality of this story and of Mary's plight. We read there of two pregnancies. Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, who when we read in chapter 1, we learn will give birth to John the Baptist, the man destined to lead the way before Christ begins his ministry. But like I said, we often, I think, because we've heard it so much, we've seen it in our children's nativity plays, we've seen it on Christmas cards and films and TV, we kind of skim over Mary's actual pregnancy. Nine months of waiting, nine Months of hoping and counting down the days, one by one, when her son will arrive. But this was by all means no lovely maternity-lavished nesting period. She wasn't curled up at home looking on Etsy or what decor to pick out for the new room. There was no positive birthing courses, no soothing natural oils, and no bubble baths. And I say all of this knowing full well that pregnancy today can and still does not look like that. But I say it to emphasize the struggles that both Mary and Elizabeth would have had to face to ask that question as to why does Luke include this story within the overall nativity picture? And then how can its meaning have any relevance for us today as we come together? To answer that, I want to look very quickly at the context and the reality of Mary's pregnancy journey. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary, his first words were her to, greetings, favored woman. Now, when we look at the practicalities of what is about to happen to Mary within her culture, within her society, as a young betrothed woman, a part of me slightly thinks, is favored the right word? And I say that because we see these kind of Mary is depicted in paintings and pictures as someone who's kind of middle-aged, 20s, normally with a smile on her face. But the reality is that Mary was between 12 and 14 years old when she was betrothed to marry Joseph. Joseph and his family had paid the agreed-upon price for her hand in marriage and was busy arranging a marital home for them when Mary learned of her pregnancy. Mary wasn't highly educated. She'd grown up in Nazareth, a town considered unclean and no good to Jews because the Jews living there were in close proximity with the unclean Gentiles. Her life up until this point had been difficult, but now it becomes a whole lot more worse. With that, within that Greco, hi George, within that Greco-Roman culture, with this news of being pregnant, it would have caused a huge family upset. We read that Joseph intended to divorce her. She would have been shunned and shamed by her community. But yet Mary knew this would be the case. She knew this wasn't going to be easy. She knew all of this. But still we read her answer to the angel Gabriel with absolute faith and an absolute biblical hope in the expectation of this truth coming to pass. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to be be fulfilled. We then read that Mary goes on to visit Elizabeth, who doesn't just live in the next town. She lives close to 100 miles away. And she goes as a young pregnant woman by herself. It would have been a very dangerous journey. And she then stays there for three months with her cousin during her pregnancy. Now, if I had another 30 minutes, I would happily and lovely, I would love to talk about that relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. But unfortunately, we don't 
People want to get home. They haven't had dinner. They've watched the, the penalty shootout and they've missed things. So I'll skip over that. But uh, there are two points I would like to make from this story. Uh, I think that just apply to us during this Advent season. And it's firstly is that we can have a hope like Mary's. When we say yes, just like Mary did. When we say, Lord, use me. I'm here. I'm willing. Then no matter what, we're no longer lost. We're no longer alone. I've said that I enjoy Christmas probably too much, but I, I know for many it can be a hard time. It's a reminder perhaps of, of lost loved ones, a time where families can struggle, where people can feel isolated. But when we not just hope for things to get better, but instead take hold of the biblical hope, the spiritual hope that is there for each and every one of us, then it doesn't have to be a struggle in our waiting, that waiting with uncertainty. But instead, we can have the assurance, the expectation and knowledge that God is for us and God is with us. Paul says in Romans 5, which will come up on the screen, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul wrote this in the Romans, uh, to the Romans about the power of God's grace to miraculously and completely change lives. He knew that of which he spoke of. He knew what biblical hope was and shared that with this church in this letter. And it's available for us this evening. Biblical hope today is there for the taking. It's available to all. And this evening, if you are in need of certainty, if you are in need of a hope, a hope that guarantees a future, then this hope is for you. And it's worth celebrating. Christ simply is our eternal hope. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And this eternal hope is what we celebrate at Christmas. And it's these short verses from Paul written to the Roman church, talking of joy in the suffering, that leads me to my second point. And that is that God is in the waiting Mary waited nine months to give birth to her son. Nine months of hardship. Nine months of discomfort. Nine months of uncertainty, of stretched and broken relationships. But her eyes and her biblical hope were firmly placed on God. So often I think when bad things happen or hard times come, as a culture we're very quick to, to get around and try and pull that person out of that situation. But I want to encourage you this evening that when that doesn't necessarily work, God is in those moments with you. Those moments in our life where we find ourselves waiting. And whatever that may be, something big, something small, if it's important to you, God is there with you. And waiting is a big part of Scripture. We see it throughout the Bible. People waiting on the Lord. There are many, many examples. But it's not always easy. This year, it's been uh, 12 years since I, I left the army. I was a young soldier, and I left, yeah, 12 years ago this summer gone. And within those first four months of becoming a civilian, again, I knew with absolute certainty that God wanted me to go back. Um, I laughed. I remember I said, this, that's, that can't happen. I've been fighting to get out for the last three years. And, but uh, 
I just thought this can't happen. I don't understand. What, how can I go back? But I, I knew that God wanted me to go back in some way or another. I didn't know what that meant, um, but I felt like God wanted me back in the military sharing my faith or, or providing spiritual support for soldiers. Um, and it took 11 years for that to happen. It took 11 years of waiting, 11 years of, at times, I just didn't know which way was up. 11 years of kind of clinging at times to what felt like God, the anchor in my life, but not knowing where and when or how this would happen. In that time, I had some, some all right jobs, some, a few failed different careers. Um, but in that time, I also had some absolute shockers. Uh, I was a kid's entertainer, a janitor, a cycling proficiency instructor for a while. I used to go into schools and tell kids to indicate left five bananas. Um, <laughs> I was a gondola operator, and even, probably the worst, was a balloon-making, happy birthday-singing TGI Fridays waiter. Um, and I can smile and kind of laugh at those a little bit now and look back and think, oh, that wasn't too bad, but at the time it was hard. And it was hard uh, for, for Naomi as well. It was hard for our relationship. It was hard for, on our marriage, our finances. And it was a difficult thing to do. But like our Advent calendars, like our certainty in what Christmas and Advent mean, when we have a biblical understanding of what real hope is, then we have direction. We have that lifeline. We have that anchor. We have a Father who loves us dearly. Mary knew what she was doing when she said yes to God. She knew the struggles and the hardships she would face, but she joyfully said yes. God is in the waiting and there is hope for each and every one of us this evening. If you just need reminding of that, if you need to hear that, that God is in the waiting, God is with you this Christmas. When we have that hope in Jesus. As we leave here tonight, and I am finishing, as we leave here tonight, hopefully in the Christmas mood, um, joyful for what next week will bring, I want to ask you to do one thing uh, and one thing only, uh, and that is simply as you open your Advent calendars for the next six days, Boys and girls, seven days if you've got a 25th chocolate. Um, with each day that passes, I want you to take a moment and just pause and think of what does hope mean to you? What does hope look like in your life? You can think of a, a past, a present, a future time when you've had hope. Is that hope built on uncertainty or does it have the confidence, the confident expectation of what is to come? That is the hope that we celebrate this Christmas, and that is the hope that by grace that it is there for us to receive. So I'm going to ask the band to play in a minute. I'm going to ask you guys, actually, I'm going to pray if that's okay. So I'm going to ask if you can stand. But let's together this evening celebrate that. Celebrate the hope of Jesus' birth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this day, for Advent. We thank you for hope. We thank you that we can place our hope in you. Lord, this Christmas, I pray that you would bless these people here this evening. I pray that you would give them hope, a hope with expectation, a hope with love. I pray as we go from here, Lord, and enjoy this final week of Advent, that we will be able to take time and breathe and relax and enjoy this time with our families, our loved ones, that we will be able to rest 
and not get worried or, or thinking about everything else that's going on in the world. Just in this time, Lord, just let us rest and take breath and take stock of who you are and what true hope means. We just pray these things in your glorious name. Amen.